can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Welcome to part two of the Talking Pools podcast's two-part episode on swimming pool black algae. Here is a recap of swimming pool black algae part one before we pick back up where we left off. The scourge of existence for people who take care of pools, the scourge of existence for people who own pools, black death, plaster pimples, the black plague, pool herpes. The only solution? Fill the pool in with dirt, sell the house, and move to the other side of the country. Black algae, perhaps one of the most misunderstood things that happens in a swimming pool. A couple right? months later, it starts popping back up. She talked to her doctor about it, and her doctor said that the black mold in the pool is very unhealthy. Did you ever think to yourself that maybe, just maybe that you did successfully kill the black algae that you had in the pool, and now this is a new black algae problem that you're dealing with. Thanks for making me feel stupid. So it doesn't actually embed in the plaster is what you're saying. Exopolysaccharidic secretion. Circulation, chemistry, filtration. I got the poo on me. And now it comes out. Andrea and any huge crush on David Spade. I've done quite a bit of research on black algae, and the reason for this was simple. There was none available. I vacuum one pool with black algae. Can I transfer it to another pool if I don't? Probably. And then occasionally it just shoots out spores and lets them drift in the water until they find a suitable place that it can begin, where it can take a foothold and begin a new colony. That whole thing about swimming in the ocean and then swimming in your pool is about as factual as Bigfoot, the Easter Bunny, or the New Jersey Devil. It's just pure poppycock. I see. Okay. Dr. Ed Flips, he's actually one of the leading phycologists in the country, and we got them underneath a microscope to take a look at what we had. And what we found was is there was no black algae in my black algae. Say what now? Oh, it's true. What we actually had in the sample that I brought in was three different genus of cyanobacteria that it can take atmospheric nitrogen and convert it into something that it needs. In this case, uh, ammonia through ammoniafying nitrogen and ultimately into nitrates, which we know fuels algae, algae food. Cyanobacteria are actually photosynthetic, just like algae. Absolutely, but what does that mean? It means that when you go from one pool to the next, the black algae you have in one pool will not be the same as the next pool. Unfortunately, the pool professional that had this pool maintained the chlorine level so high that if it was secreting any toxins, they would be oxidized immediately and not show up on any of my tests. Holy crap, did you hear the news? The Talking Pools podcast now has a regular column in Pool Magazine. It is the hottest new trade mag in the industry. 
the edgy morning radio show style podcast with Rudy and Andrea is now on the pages of the magazine known for keeping a finger on the pulse of the pool industry. Yes, both print and digital. Download the poolmagazine.com app on Google Play today. What are you waiting for? Do it now. And now for the conclusion of our two-part episode on swimming pool black algae. That sample, the chlorine level was too high. That didn't mean that we were totally screwed. Cool. What we did was we decided that we would neutralize the chlorine in that sample using ascorbic acid, bring it down to zero, and then we would lyse the bacteria which meant that we were going to disrupt the cell membrane and see what spilled out. And yes. And when that happened... Like the alien in Independence Day? Exactly like the things that come out of the pods in Invasion of the Body Snatcher. (laughs) We're just going to let its guts spill out all over the place. And then we're going to test to see what's in its guts. And when we did that, we lysed it. It spilled its guts. We ran the test. We found that it did indeed contain microcystin, which is a cyanotoxin, Mm -hmm. which could be harmful in large doses, but nothing to worry about in a swimming pool. It was not greater than the benchmark sent by, set by the EPA for drinking water. So we have that. But then you have to consider that it's going to dilute with tens of thousands of gallons of water, how much water is in that swimming pool when it does lice. But the whole lysing thing, that's an important concept because well, a lot of the treatments that we use- Clean the filter. Yes, we need to have a clean filter. We've already discussed that. So a lot of the techniques that we use to kill black algae involve lysis. Mm -hmm. And again, that's just disrupting the cell membrane. So that's important Mm -hmm. stuff. So we know that when we do that, we do release these toxins if there are any toxins present. Because again, three different samples, we found many variations in our black algae of cyanobacteria, again, dependent upon geographic location, which I think is pretty cool. So black algae, again, always cyanobacteria, the constituents that make up that black algae or do vary by geographic location. Real quick. So is this coming? So normal, like you said, mustard algae, like green algae that comes from airborne, what like spores that comes from the air being transferred that way. So where does this, where does the cyanococca come from? It's the same algae. It comes from the air. Algae. So we're breathing it in. Yes. You're breathing it in. You breathe in lots oh of my shit. God. So, yeah, algae spores is a pri- in the air. Airborne algae spores is a primary way that these things travel from body of water to body of water. And the way they get into the air is through any type of splashing, mm-hmm. a wave crashing to a shore, a branch falling in, a fish jumping, a waterfall, mm-hmm. rapids, anything that disturbs the water and casts any air- water into the air or any particles into mm-hmm. the air. Very interesting. Yeah. So it could actually even be carried by an electrostatic mist, like in a fog. There's also a lot of research on, oh, up in the Great Lakes, up in Chicago. You're from that area up in Chicago. So they have a Great Lake up there. And when that water crashes to the shore, they've tested different things in the area that has come from that Great Lake now in the air. I think uh, Pseudomonas may have been one of the things, but you'll have to double check that. Uh, I'd have to go back and take a look at the research. Well, yeah, there's a sh- there's a lake in Chicago. One of the Chicago's on one of the lakes. Well, and there you go. So that's where the uh, scientists ran those tests over there, and they f- did find these partic- particles in the air. And then you also have to consider there could be other things in the air that can actually. So I could be getting black algae from the water. That's there's so much. There's so many retention ponds and canals and just little 
all kinds of water systems and bodies of bodies of water. That's what I'm looking for. So could they be a source of black algae for these pools? Absolutely. Realistically, the black algae that you see in your pool in Florida could be transferred from a swamp, a lake, or something in Louisiana even. Ew. It's Louisiana that grosses you out? No, not Louisiana specifically. Just just the fact that I mean, I would have said the same thing if you said Louisiana could be infected by a Florida pool. Like, ew, uh, keep our cooties to ourselves. Exactly. And, well, you can't. But there has been research that shows if there's stuff in the air, like, for example, the fires out in California producing all that smoke, that that can actually carry uh, they've done tests with fungal spores and with also algae that can actually carry those spores a much, much greater distance. And we believe that the algae bloom in the southeast, the mustard algae bloom that we faced this past season, could be tied into those California fires, meaning that the mustard algae they were fighting was California algae in pools this year. There's also been tests where they've conducted air samples in Brazil, and what they have found in these samples were diatoms, spores, which we know is mustard algae. So, But what they've collected is diatoms, spores, that are found only in this one area of Africa. So these things have actually hitched a ride on the wind and made their way all the way across the Atlantic Ocean and into South America. So those initial samples that I collected, and I'm going to pronounce these all wrong, were uh, had uh, the following three genus. It was Oscillatoria, Microleus, and Gnostic SP. And Gnostic SP was the nitrogen-fixing one. So yeah, pretty interesting stuff. And the way that the nitrogen-fixing cyanobacteria works is it takes the atmospheric nitrogen, it converts it into ammonia, and then with assist from ammoniafying bacteria, or actually it could even just grab a hydrogen ion from the water, ammonia quickly becomes ammonium, which is the predominant type of nitrate that algae uses. And not just algae, the cyanobacteria, of course, itself. So not only does it go through this function to feed itself, it also then any other type of cyanobacteria that's in the water that's not nitrogen fixing will benefit from this. Also, any other type of algae that's in the water will benefit from this because we know that algae needs both nitrates and phosphates. So does the black algae, the cyanobacteria. So what we can say best then is that this black algae, what it really is, is a biofilm where the primary constituents are always cyanobacteria, but then other things can take safe harbor in there because we did find dinoflagates, we found some diatoms, things along those lines, but not enough for me to say that what we had here was algae. There, It was really scarce, but it was there, which also explains something else because if you've ever had a black algae problem, when you get rid of the black algae, sometimes you are left with these scars, I want to call them, on the wall, scars, discoloration. So mustard algae, diatoms, one of the things it needs to survive is silicates. And the plaster in the pool is a source of silicates. So it actually consumes silicates. Diatoms are actually the only thing on the planet that are known to consume silicates. So could what's in that black algae biofilm be eating the plaster? It's definitely a probability. But 
again, keep in mind, none of this embeds in the plaster. The only way this is getting in the plaster is if you have a crack underneath it, but then still, even then, it's getting underneath it. The pores that it could fill, I guess we could say that's in the plaster, but by no means is this embedded, and by no means does it have roots. The How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae Handbook, written by pool water chemistry expert Rudy Stankowitz, will be the most comprehensive guide on algae prevention and remediation you will ever own. Algae is the single most encountered swimming pool problem noted worldwide, but it doesn't have to be a problem for you. Purchase your copy of the How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae Handbook on Amazon, today. All right, so you have black algae in a pool, you walk up to it, you see the black algae spots. What's the first thing that you do when you're out there in the field? You still proceed with the granular trichlor. You just have to, um, <laughs> no, you just, you, you really just want to get that chlorine level up to like 500 parts per million. 500. That's very specific. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that'll do the job for you. I'm not trying to argue with you, but. Sounds like arguing. I did remove algae from the wall. I mean, the, I, like, I, I'm not even joking. It was like 100 parts per million the chlorine level was, but it came off the walls. I'm not saying that it can't. It only took uh. like two or three days for it to completely go away. No, I did not brush the pool one single tiny little bit. I'm not saying that you cannot get rid of black algae using chlorine. I know exactly how much chlorine I put in. I put in a 50-pound bucket of granular trichlor. Into 5,000 gallons of water? No, in a 52,000-gallon pool. You can kill black algae with large amounts of chlorine, absolutely. But aren't you also the person who started out this podcast by saying that you have black algae right now in several of your pools? So we have to look at other things. Remember, think outside the pool. Think outside the pool. What else is going on? What else is affecting this water? What is making this pool prone to algae? Let's assume you know what you're doing. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. The water chemistry is great. You're brushing, you're vacuuming, you're cleaning the filter. You are on top of things, but you keep getting this black algae that pops up after a month. That's new. That's not the same stuff. It wasn't hiding for 30 days, and then all of a sudden, here it is again. And I give it to you. You know what? If it came back after a couple of days or even after a week, I'm cool with you saying it popped back up again. But if it's been a month or more, that's new black algae. You did your job. This is a new cyanobacteria biofilm that has been able to form in the pool. Familiar with the method of chalking? They call it chalking. Chalking is where you actually take a chlorine tablet, right? A trichlor tablet and rub it lightly on the black algae spot itself. And rub it. I didn't know it was called that. They make a tool for that. Algae gone. Pentair makes one. Yeah, that's not going to work out if you have like a, a whole outbreak all over the walls. That's when you want to go with my method of the 50 pound bucket of trichlor <laughs> or two. Otherwise known as let's see how high we can get the stabilizer level in this pool. Cyanuric acid. Woohoo! You admitted yourself at the beginning of this podcast. Did anybody else hear her say this? I mean, go back, check it out. I have several pools with black algae in them now. This is what you said. So I um I actually used a pool RX in a pool that I had removed the algae like I I, I did my trichlor treatment this is 
one of the ones I was telling you about. So I did the trichlor treatment, got it all off the walls, off all off the. It was mostly on the walls. It wasn't even really on the floor all that bad. So I started to see like one or two little spots, and I convinced the lady to get. Well, not convinced because it didn't you know take much to explain the facts and the benefits, all that. So she bought one from Amazon, and um, I. I'm loving it right at the moment. So I got her to buy two of them. So I'm about, I'm getting ready to, to change it out. Copper sulfate, which you're talking about here, copper sulfate mm-hmm. is which was what that product contains, does an amazing job at lysing bacteria. Like we just spoke about before, like we, when we were talking about how I was able to see if it was had toxins within it or not, we had to lyse it. We disrupted the cell membrane, which caused it to spill its guts. So mm-hmm. copper sulfate, actually all metals, all metals to one extent or another have the ability to lyse bacteria. That's why back in the day, they used to make doorknobs for homes out of brass. That brass doorknob contains a high amount of copper, right? I think it's about 86% copper. So if you had germs on your hand, when you turn the doorknob, when you released it, the copper doorknob, the brass doorknob itself would actually lice any bacteria that you had left behind. That's super metal. Super metal. Okay. (laughs) In fact, the only metal that will not lice bacteria is stainless steel. Oddly enough, that's the metal that they use for laboratory tables, hospital beds, and anything else that's in a sanitary environment. I think we switch to copper for everything or brass or even iron has bactericidal properties and then make the job much easier for everybody in medical fields or uh, fields where they need a sterile environment. Why not have self-cleaning doorknobs or self-cleaning tables? In either case, when we add copper sulfate to the swimming pool water, that's what we're doing. So copper has a bit of a one-two punch. That's how this works. It lyses the bacteria, which causes it to spill its guts. But we cannot get a level high enough to actually wipe it out because what we would require is five parts per million of copper to do this. We know the maximum allowed copper level that we're allowed is one and part what per million. Could be, what could be more metal than splitting open something's guts and causing it to, what you say, starve to death and die? Well, that's, that's the other metal. That's the other part to it, right? So so not only does copper lyse the bacteria, it also inhibits photosynthesis. Plants want copper. They need copper. They have to take it in because that's how they produce chlorophyll. Without it, they cannot produce chlorophyll. So they readily take in what's available. However, if they take in too much, it kind of puts them in a food coma, right? They just can't eat anymore, but it's not because they have too much food. They just have too much copper. So it inhibits photosynthesis and they die. We see that silver is also very popular in the treatment of black algae, and it works. It does. That also does lice the bacteria. But instead of going in and then inhibiting photosynthesis, silver goes in and then alters the DNA of that bacteria. So that way it can't reproduce, it can't feed itself, and then it dies. In either of these instances, with either of these products, we now need to consider responsible chemical dosing because you cannot just add these metals to water and not worry about it. There is a maximum acceptable level for each established by, well, we use the EPA guidelines for safe drinking water, but what's the best way to make sure that we're responsibly dosing? A test kit. 
Absolutely. There's no reason in the world that you should ever add copper, silver, aluminum, any other type of metal to the water without having a test kit for that metal. It's just irresponsible. And this applies to anything. If there's something you're putting into a body of water that a test kit exists for, you should own that test kit. If you don't own the test kit, then that's not responsible dosing. You're not taking this seriously, as seriously as you should. You can't just fling it in there and hope that it works and hope that everything's good. There are things that we have to keep tabs on. I agree. So other things that will work to get rid of black algae. And again, a lot of the things we use will work if given the proper amount of time. So sodium bromide over time, yes, it will work. EDTA and ammonium sulfate, of course, over time, yes, that will also work. As you mentioned, a super high chlorine level for an extended period of time, that will do it. Even polyquats over time will take out black algae. The reason I spoke about copper, silver, metals is because they will do this so much quicker than the other options that we have available to us. And that's what we want, because when you're dealing with a customer's pool, you don't want to fuck around. Even if it's in your own backyard pool, we want to get it out now. We want to nip this in the butt and make it go away. Banish that shit. Another thing that'll work. Aluminum. Aluminum sulfate. We bring it up all the time, but is does aluminum sulfate not contain aluminum? To treat black algae? It does, and it actually contains quite a bit of aluminum. And aluminum, just like any other metal, does have the ability to lyse bacteria. Maybe not as good as copper, but we discussed this over the past couple of episodes. At least it's popped up once or twice. Gold? Yeah, gold. Probably gold will work if you want to toss gold into a swimming pool, you wacko. But aluminum sulfate, if you broadcast 8.33 pounds of aluminum sulfate per 10,000 gallons of water, you're establishing an aluminum sulfate level in that body of water of 100 parts per million. Aluminum sulfate is roughly 25% aluminum. So what we're establishing then in doing that is a a 25 part per million aluminum level, which is so much higher than the one part per million copper level that we're permitted. And like we mentioned in the last episode, when the aluminum forms aluminum hydroxide, the flock, it will precipitate out and it will remove itself from the water, providing that we do a proper vacuum to waste. So the, co- the aluminum levels should be nil when we're finished, but we were able to get that 25 part per million aluminum level overnight or for 12 hours. And a lot of cases you see in doing this that the black algae just falls off of the walls. The grocery store and get. Yeah, that's when you're standing in the express line and the person behind you is bitching because you have more than 10 items. I'm sorry I needed 6,583 bottles of McCormick's alum from the spice aisle. You better back your bitch ass up. I got a pool to take care of, motherfucker. <laughs> it's not going to be enough. Oh. No, but the people at McCormick's are going to be loving us, right? That's going to be expensive. It probably would be. But here are the key takeaways. One, We did say that some 
cyanobacteria produces toxins. Some secrete toxins, some release toxins upon lysing. Lysing is the way that we get rid of black algae in most cases, but it's not enough to be concerned with. So what's the big deal about black algae is that it is a biofilm where the primary constituents, like we mentioned, are cyanobacteria, but it can harbor other things. Some of the other things that it can harbor, or one of the big things that you hear about in the news from time to time, you Mm -hmm. hear about Legionella. You'll hear about Nigleri Fowlery, which is the brain-eating amoeba. These are also things that will take harbor in that black algae biofilm, which then protects those things from chlorine levels that would normally kill them. Because either one of them, it doesn't really take much chlorine. A one part per million level in a properly maintained pool would knock out Legionella, would knock out Nigleri Fowlery. However, if it's taking harbor in this cyanobacteria biofilm that we call black algae, now it will take a chlorine level maybe 100 times greater to eradicate it, to keep that water healthy. So that's why we want to make sure that we don't have black algae in swimming pools. The other key takeaway here is it doesn't mean that you're doing the job wrong if this stuff comes back. If it's more than a week and it comes back, you have new black algae. Something about that pool makes it prone to having black algae. Now, this is still something you have to deal with because you need to put something in or change something in your routine to prevent this from coming back. But keep in mind, it does not embed into the plaster. It does not have roots. We've looked at this stuff under a microscope in a high-tech lab, big-ass microscope, checking this stuff out. There's no roots. All you have is those exopolysaccharidic secretions that hold it in place. It's not herpes where once you have it, it's going to keep coming back. It will be unsightly blemishes like we spoke about, but you can get rid of this successfully. What we need to focus on is preventing it from coming back in that swimming pool you're dealing with like we were talking about with solutions to this chlorine crisis that we're going through, you're going to need to look at specialty chemicals. If you have a reoccurring black algae problem, again, it you killed it. It was dead. Now you have more. We need to put something else in that water to help us out. So specialty chemicals are what we're going to need to look at in order to do So this. black algae is not like Jaws, is what you're saying. Not like Jaws, no. It, <laughs> it's not... We don't need a bigger boat. It's not like Jason. Probably not, unless you're a teen doing something that you're not supposed to do at some lake house. (laughs) I really wouldn't worry about it too much. That's great news. Here's the thing. Don't get caught up in the hype. I don't know why it's like this. I don't know why the research did not exist before I went and did this research in 2018. We've had pools for, swimming pools have been popular for what, 100 years, a century at this point? Backyard pools have been popular for 60 or 70 years now. Why we've not put this under a microscope and shared this information successfully, I have no idea. But you know what? We know now. Stay away from the myths. Stay away from the rumors. You can kill it. You did kill it. Now we need to prevent it. So don't just brush it, kill it, and not worry about it. If you have a pool that has black algae, it may come back again through no fault of your own just because of that swimming pool. Focus on your specialty chemicals. That's going to be key. Now, if you are a homeowner, a pool owner listening to this, 
you should reach out to your local pool professional to help you with some of these things, especially if you're going to go with aluminum sulfate treatment, because you are not going to have the equipment that you need to remove that from the pool. Yes, you should always seek the help of a professional. True. Some of us, I'm not mentioning any names, need more professional help than others. Yeah, my (laughs) co-host. You're helping me out with dealing with these stupid people that try and tell me that the black algae is going to kill them. And I'm like, listen, if that were the case, the health department would shut the pool down. But the health the health department inspected this pool and didn't have anything to say about the black algae. So, lady, just do your laps. You're fine. Well, not to take your customer's side in this, but I'm going to take your customer's side in this. Nuh-uh. Maybe the health department should shut that pool down. After everything we spoke about, I know they closed the pool for green algae. They'll close the pool for mustard algae. I would like to see them close for black algae just simply because of the reasons that we discussed. You never know what that cyanobacteria is harboring. Ew. All right, everybody, that's it for this one. A lot of information here on black algae. I have a lot more A lot of you know that I published a book. It's called How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae. It's available on Amazon. You can get a copy. It goes a lot more in depth into black algae than we just have here. It also covers green algae, mustard algae, white water molds, iron bacteria, a whole plethora or myriad, a whole (laughs) myriad of different subjects pertaining to keeping algae out of your pool and killing it once it's there. So everybody have a great week and I will chat with you next week. Look forward to it. We appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. So same, you know, well wishes, happy new year. I hope everybody has, you know, happy new year, but I guess when this comes out, it's already passed. Hope everybody's had a great start to their new year. There we go. And, um, you know, same thing Rudy said, thanks for listening. We do enjoy it. This is super fun for me. I look forward to it every week. So even though I have no idea what the hell I'm going to be talking about. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People, for the Pool People, by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 